innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up Gonna shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy Josh and Reg. And we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. We got a good episode planned for you. We got an update on some small businesses here in the city. Uh, what's going on with that? A GoFundMe <laughs> that we talked about last week that got reinstated. Uh, we also kind of do a contrast of another small business that's actually given some value to the community making money that way as they admit what's going what they're going through but the big the crown jewel of what we're going through tonight is the death of twitter twitter's gone the bird is dead it's over (laughs) you know we cooked that bird and it's gone dog and then obviously we get into kind of some fun stuff that trio got into uh over in belleville and all that jazz and then to those who are members get ready for thursday because thursday we talk about What's happened on the six-month horizon and what to do and how to adjust with your investments because there's some big things that are coming down the pipe that we just got wind of. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that Thursday. Oh, it sounds good. And I, I was just telling Josh, actually, I said that uh, I'm a big country music fan right now. I've got like all the country songs playing as I'm outside working, doing things. That's why I'm glistening right now because I, I was all outside doing my stuff and then in the pool and enjoying the sunny weather after a weekend of floods <laughs> true <laughs> but uh yeah so he has a little surprise for me apparently though i will i mean we, we can brief it here because everyone's probably heard of everyone but people are talking about all the, the the jason aldean nonsense with his uh his new racist song that's now number one on the country charts and a lot of people specifically of a specific per- political persuasion find it very offensive and so you have kind of heard murmurs of it. You haven't seen the video. So we're going to give a live reaction <laughs> right now. Turn that camera on uh, you. As no. you this, and uh, we'll see what his, his thoughts are on this one. Let's go. Got that American flag in the oh, background. Oh, yeah. You have to. Yeah. The police in the background, too. Yeah. Yeah. See where this is going? I, I can, yeah. 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 Got a gun that my granddad gave me. Okay, the shout to the gun, too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh-oh. The good old boys. Yeah. Oh, that's a trigger word for some. you can kind of get an idea of what that's all about what that's why there's all okay because like i was seeing all this stuff about jason aldean all over social media and i was just like what is going on like why is he like in the media now and i didn't realize that was why yeah it's funny because like when you look at jason aldean too like he's got all this jewelry on he's got his pleather and his like his earrings and everything and i'm just like all it makes me think is bo burnham's like country song he's like mm. I write songs about people riding tractors from the comfort of my private jet. I'm like, yeah, that's what that looks like. Right, right. <laughs> he's like, try that in a small town. And he's like, P.S. I'm in my gated community. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's disappointing. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty tone deaf. And for a country that's like super divided, that I think that is exactly where you don't go. You don't sow division. Mm. So I think that's, yeah, a little tone deaf. He's playing right to his audience, so he's uh, he's doing what Anheuser-Busch should have did <laughs> and failed on with their Bud Light campaign. He knows his audience, so he knows uh, what's going to resonate. And so you can throw a couple things in there and a little imagery and stoke that fire a little bit, and then suddenly that's your new anthem for for a certain demographic of people. Interesting. So that's, so, that's where you stand. Okay. Yeah. I see you. I see you. Uh, for myself... I really just didn't care. Yeah. I'm being honest. Like it was just funny to see that, like how it doesn't really matter your political persuasion. Uh, if you find something that you disagree with, I found, I find that theme is the theme of today. What people do is they'll pull that one thread that they really can just stretch out. And obviously the, the part that people are really offended by is the fact that he took real world footage from the summer of love of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and just and just that was the whole music video it was just like all like the, the riots and fires from the blm protests yeah and uh people saying that was racist that's that's essentially the conclusion they've come to see i don't know if i would say it was racist but i would say it's divisive for sure I agree and i think that uh because I know here in Canada, we talk a lot about like the rural urban divide and just how real that is. And when you see it in the polls, actually, when you see like it come out and just like rural urban issues. And even in Nova Scotia, like that was like a huge thing that came out in this panel that I just did on healthcare. Like that rural urban divide is like real. It's felt and it's felt differently depending on which side. And so I feel like a lot of times, like I grew up rural. And I live urban now and my wife <laughs> grew up very urban and now lives semi-rural. So for her, it's probably rural. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's different mindsets. And uh, it's funny because it's like I think there's more between the two groups that like are the same than, than, than different. But uh, when you see something like that, you're like, oh wow, that's going to make a lot of people, you're going to get a lot of people that are angry and then you're going to get a lot of people who are like, yeah, this is, this is my thing. I'm going to have my gun in my truck and I'm going to, and I'm just like, oh America. man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I, I would agree with you on the case, the case of it being divisive. hundred percent. That's what it is. 
Um, but the issues that say the left are pointing out about it, I'm like, you can point out really anything else. You can even try to try to kind of what you're saying here, like try to take the the at least come across like you're taking the high roads like, well, this is so so divisive to our country and this is not a good thing for us to have. Like, at least take that road. But they come up with like Jason Aldean's a racist because he posted unflattering moments of the BLM protests like that's bro. I can see where they're coming from with the line, the good old boys though. Really? That is, yeah. That is like, that, on, that is deep South. Like, you know, you round up the black people because oh my you, gosh, that's, that's where you're going with it. That's, that's where that comes from. So I can it see does where, it. Yeah. So I can see where people would be upset about that, that line. I want our audience fact checking that one. Oh, too bad we didn't have Philip here. Yeah. <laughs> Philip, come back. <laughs> Philip, please come back. Uh, no, I got be. We'll leave that one up uh, for uh, put it up in the comments and stuff. I'd be curious to see yeah. people's perspective on that one of like where does the good old boys come from? It, it makes me think of like Dukes of Hazards, right? Mm. And them riding around the General Lee, so which was the the orange car with the big flag, the Confederate flag on the top. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I don't know. I like some Jason Aldean. I think that it's kind of like, it's not my favorite song. A little slow. A little slow. It's not really something I want to, you know, have drinks and have fun and splash around in my pool too. <laughs> Which says very privileged. <laughs> yeah, try that in a small town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I just, to me, it just looks like, man, you're just adding fuel to a fire that we don't need. There was a lot of fires in that meal. Yeah, yeah you're right. right. <laughs> Let's go. A lot of fires that we didn't need. Oh, gee, here we go. Well, that was a fun little intro. And uh, let's get right on into it, shall we? So update on the glitter beans. So those uh, who talked, who were with us last week, we did a whole thing on a restaurant here in the city, uh, or cafe, I should say, who was requiring donations. It was at 18 the last time I saw it. Yeah, it was uh, when we were looking at it last week before it was taken down for a brief time. Uh, Alicia McCarville just donated $1,000. Shout out Alicia McCarville. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, uh, they really love this glitter bean, you know, and the funny part about it is we got done recording last week. Obviously we roasted the whole idea from literally just from a capitalistic perspective. It was kind of ridiculous. I went to dinner with Kelsey for her birthday with some friends and this conversation came up and Kelsey's like, don't tell me you added the glitter bean. You don't come after them. I was like, bro, hundred percent did. That was, it was stupid. I hate, I think it's the dumbest thing. Uh, from a, like from strictly business capitalism perspective, I think this is dumb. Like a for profit business did shouldn't you tell be seeking donations. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, yeah, we, we all. We, we, I I said we we both took credit for going after them, and we got into a fight over her birthday dinner about this freaking glitter bean, and she's like. Just leave them alone. They're trying their best. They're having such a great cafe. Like everything I was roasting that whole episode, it was coming out of Kelsey's mouth. And um, and our friends who were, who were with us at the time were like staring at each other, like didn't know what to do because me and Kelsey were just going. It's <laughs> going all this. Like I'm like, I'm like, we really just like took about 15 minutes of your birthday dinner to go off about the glitter bean raising money because they can't make a, a profit. So uh, here we are. Mm. <laughs> I, I feel bad because, like, like I said, I'm very connected to that community because mm -hmm. um, I play hockey with them. Yeah. But at the same time, I can also say, like, hey, if your cafe isn't making a, any money and you've got this weird unionized but co-ownership, everything with a comma kind of thing going on and, like, you think that's working for you and then it's 
obviously not because you have to ask for money from the community. Like, like I said, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. If you're a nonprofit, be a nonprofit. If you're a for-profit, be a for-profit. Don't be this weird, but I guess that's just the binary, right? <laughs> so true. Gotta stay fluid, dog. I know. Um, I gotta think outside the box, I guess. Yeah. We, uh, that's, that's what they're all about. Thinking outside boxes. So the fact that, I mean, the art, there could be an argument made. So that's something one of my friends brought up was you could make an argument that this is the market speaking on behalf of the, of the cafe say that they should stay remain in business. If they're mm-hmm. all donating upwards of $22,623 as of right now, I think that's the market speaking. Right. But is that sustainable is the question. It's oh like- no. What's going to happen <laughs> is these are not tax deductible, deductible donations and they will be out of business within the next 10 months. I'm calling it right now. We are, we are marking this at, at this. I'm marking this on the podcast right now. They will be out of business within 10 months. Actually, no, I changed that. They'll be out of business by the end of this year. Wow. That's quite the, that's quite the prediction. Yep. <laughs> I, I honestly, I hope that they're not because I think that I do respect what they're trying to do. But I think that if you're going to operate as a business, operate as a business. But if you're operating as a safe space and you want to do like social enterprise on the side, then operate as a social enterprise or a nonprofit or something like that. But like if you're in the for profit business game, like you gotta, you gotta play that game. Like, you know what I mean? You can't go play football and then, you know, bring a hockey stick. Like it's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, so, and the reason my prediction is that is because strictly, as you said, it's not a sustainable business model. They weren't making money. They weren't turning a profit. I shouldn't say, yeah, they, they were making revenue, but they weren't turning a profit. They are struggling to cover their, their expenses or their debt. And now they're getting, you know, they'll, they'll probably get close to their 55,000 rate goal uh, at this point. They'll get that money. And the reality is, as you said, they're not run like a company, like a real business. They don't have a boss. They are real proud to, to mention that part. And that money will be peed away. And they'll wonder what happened. <laughs> Secondly, this is not really related to them. But this is relates back to our Thursday episode we're going to be covering in, the, in a few days. The market's going to tank hardcore. Mm-hmm. And they're going to eat businesses like this up for breakfast and spit them out. So I'm also going to say it's not going to be 100% their fault of what's coming. But like when you lack business sense and some big things are about to come in the market. See ya. Yeah, I think that's don't care. <laughs> that's kind of what I said the last episode where I was just like, I think they need a mentor is what they need. Somebody who's like been successful, look to Dilly Dally, the other cafe that's like, you know, maybe what half kilometer up the street. So I think like look to those people for mentorship and like actually like get some help, um, get some training, look where they can pivot. Um, Cause when you look at businesses that are struggling and that make a comeback, They've had to do something drastic. They've had to change some part of their business model to then be successful. They've had to pivot in some way, whether that means changing how you govern, whether that means changing what you offer, whether that means changing even location. Like you, you got to do something because like a business as usual is not business. <laughs> it's donations, obviously. Well, so and that and I guess that's the thing about it, right? Is because when tough times come, you are required to persevere and fight through it and look for a way to overcome. 
You don't overcome, you lose. I've been a loser multiple times in my life. I know how to lose very well. I'm a big, big loser. I'll be honest with you. But because I've lost so much, I know how to win. I know what it takes to overcome huge hurdles that get thrown when life punches you in the dang mouth and you're you're pouring out blood and you still keep moving forward. That's what a bailout of a $25,000, $55,000 goal is not going to teach these people. They're going to need to, they're going to have to learn the tough way. And I, I hope they, I hope they are able to learn the tough lesson and still remain open. But I just don't think they're going to just based on essentially what this description on this post said. Yeah. And the description of like what they're going to do with the money. Is that what you're thinking too? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's talk about the, the different levels that you're talking about, right? So they're now the twenty-two thousand dollar level. So they're they oh, they're close to the twenty-five thousand. So with these funds, if they hit the twenty-five k, they're going to cover six thousand dollars in projected losses for July and September. Okay. Replace two broken commercial fridges and our ice machine on its last limb, ten thousand dollars. Create a modest $4,000 labor budget for work related to business administration, business strategy planning, and organizational development. And tend to structural repairs, leaky ceilings, and cosmetic upgrades, a fresh paint job. So I read that and I'm like, okay, the replace two broken commercial fridges, that seems like a good use of money. Yep. I say like, like the labor budget for work related to business expenses, or sorry, business administration, business strategy planning, like that, like... You could go to, I think it's a Novacorp or no, they're amalgamated now, Invest Nova Scotia. So there used to be like a bunch of different um, organizations that would help support businesses. Like you could, you could go to them and actually receive funding for things like this. Like this is not something you'd have to actually actually even ask the community for. Um, so yeah, unless they've exhausted all those avenues, right? Yeah. Um, because if they take a business uh, plan to one of those organizations and they're like, sorry, we just don't see this as viable, then they're not going to get the money, right? So well, I'm curious what their lease is saying. The fact they have to tend to leaky ceilings, I'm really curious what that lease is saying. That really shouldn't be their responsibility. Hmm. Well, the other part of it is like, do they own the property? That's what I'm like. I don't think they do. That's why I find we. That's what I found weird because it's it's a downtown location in a building. Granted, Glitter Bean evolved off of what it used to be just us, mm-hmm. then Black Sheep or not Black Sheep, no. the um, Stubborn Goat. Yeah, and then from there, all the drama that happened because my wife was in the middle of all that <laughs> nonsense that happened with the owner who blew up the whole thing. Glitter Bean kind of evolved from that, kept all the same workers, became a new business, and kept the the cafe. I don't think they actually own the building they're in. Mm. So that's why I'm, I'm, I want to, I doubt that anyone from the glitter beans listened this far at this point. Cause they just heard me roast them for the past five minutes. But if they happen to still be here, I really hope they look at their lease agreement. Cause they really shouldn't have to maybe paint job. Maybe they can negotiate that, but tending to structural repairs should not be on them. No. That's a that's a landlord like responsibility. Yeah. The other part of this too is that like, I don't think anybody wants to see those people out of a job. Honestly, I, th- I that's my perspective is like if you're providing a good space for people and employment is precarious, um, then yeah, like this is a, a great place for people to work if they want to work there and be a part of it. Nobody's I think saying anything to the otherwise, but I think that the way that this 
is going is not a, a good way forward. And that, like I said, it's going to take some hefty mentorship, some real pivots and some deep thought around this whole strategy planning piece. So that's where it's like 4,000 of that. That should be like 40,000 out of the $55,000 budget is going to, how are we going to make this a viable business? And how are we going to, you know, plan this, you know, five, 10 years out rather than just being like, we got to make it to cover our losses in September. Like that's, that's where I'm looking at it. But yeah, debts to our partners. Interesting. Yeah. They're talking about paying off their debts to the partners under the $55,000 range. If you've outstanding debts, like two partners, like they're, those are the last ones on your list. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, good. that's challenging because it's like, yeah, because who are the partners, right? That's the question. Yeah. And like, that's where I was saying before about like Invest Nova Scotia and some of the, like maybe a COA or some of these other avenues that you can, you can get funding from seed funding, uh, maintenance funding, things like that to help you with your business to make it successful. Because like I said, everybody wants you to succeed, um, but people get, can't just be throwing money away, right? So if they've already exhausted those avenues, I can see why you would have that paying down to the partners. But True. yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Do what else is rough? We're going to look at another business that's having a rough time too. Taproot Farms. Um, I love these guys. We, we use them for a time. Uh, fantastic organization. What they do is they put together, they have like their own farms and stuff. And what they do is they put these uh, CS, CSA. CSA boxes. Thank you. Uh, and they send you, you know, you, you pay up front for the year. You yep. get one, uh, I think it was every week. And they're going through some tough times. I saw this. You can see my name down there, liked by Reg Manzer. Yeah, <laughs> shout out Reg Manzer. I, I'll, I'll read the Instagram post and you give your perspective. So right now the, it's an image. That's June 2023. Their expenses are up 4.5%. Their income is down 10.2%. Mm-hmm. And this is what the post says. Financials are snapshots of moments in time. Here's a snapshot. It is seriously, it is a seriously shitty snap. And the numbers it is a percentage of last year were less than ideal. I encourage you to dig into net farm incomes across Canada and the stats. It is a cause for pause. I'm not complaining, just statement of facts. Fact, polar vortex took 100% of the sweet cherry crop, 100%. That's what next month's reports will show, major losses. Josh wasn't doesn't want to talk about how hard things are this year because it is too hard. It is unreal and totally out of our control. What can be done? I do not know. We don't know. Keep going. We keep going. But please do not but please do know that every time you purchase a local product, every single time you are helping, and every time you you smile and are thankful and buy some raspberries because there are no plums or cherries this year, you are helping. Every time you acknowledge your farmers and encourage them, you are helping. Every time you purchase the unknown garlic escapes uh, and learn a recipe, you are helping. You, dear customers and friends, you are you are how we will turn this around. The only way is together. Are we together on this? Grateful for you. Yeah. I well, you can see I liked it. I was like, this is this is how you do it, right? Um, and that was actually something I noticed this year because I like and a couple times talked about how much I love my plants, my fruit trees, and stuff like that. It's like I noticed I was like, I have a peach tree, I have a plum tree, I have cherries. And none of them flowered this year just because we had that really weird cold snap that happened in a week where we had like a really mild winter, then a week of freezing blistering cold that we haven't seen for like 50 years. And it just like ruined everything. What week was that? That was in February. Oh, wow. So 
uh, I was a little preoccupied with, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. When like all the pipes froze and crap. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so it, it did, it ruined crops and even just looking at, uh, just like I said, my own fruit trees and things like that. Just looking at the fact that like, yeah, nothing bloomed, nothing actually sent out any, any blooms aside from the apples and the pears did. But other than that, like all the stone fruit toast. Um, I had grapes and they didn't do well either. So I'm wondering how the Annapolis Valley is going to do for their grape and wine production. Um, so yeah, it's hard to be a farmer out there and people need to eat. And what do we do? We just start taxing all the diesel that they need to put in their tractors and their farm equipment. And we've taxed the diesel that goes into shipping out products and things like that. We've just made it like expenses up 4.5%. I think that's generous. Like they must be doing a lot of work by hand is all I can say. Um, but yeah, just the fact that you're losing your entire, your entire crop and they do have, um, farm insurance that you can get. But as we know from insurance companies and anywhere else, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging, right? So they'll probably only insure up to so much for, for losses and it might be just enough or just below what covers what they put in already. So they'll get no, nothing to, to float them till next year. And then they have to try and you know, come up with something else. So yeah, I, I love that where they're like, what can be done? Uh, I don't know, but we keep going. We keep going. It's like, that's, that's the mantra I want to hear. And then right underneath it, it's a call to action. You know, every time you purchase a local product, every time you smile and say, thank you. Every time you buy raspberries, when we know that there's no cherries to buy, like that is the kind of call to action that we need. It's like, here's something tangible. Here's something w within your power. And uh, this is how you help. I, I love it. I'm like, yeah, Taproot Farms, sign me up for a CSA. So, yeah. Yeah, we really liked, we really enjoyed using them. Uh, we used them, I think, for two years. The only reason why we stopped was because we found, because of our lifestyles at the time, we just kept wasting a lot of food. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't make the food that we, like, we didn't have, couldn't find the time to make proper meals using what they were giving us in the box. So we're just like, man, like it just stunk. So we, we had to stop using them. But we, once Kelsey starts working a full-time job at base, uh, we'll be back and have like more of a normal schedule and we'll probably get back on with them. But uh, yeah, it's, if you have the means, it's a great idea. CSAs are really cool. Uh, you're getting, you're getting food from your local farms and you know, it was grown here and you get the, you use them and you're supporting your local farmers. It's mm -hmm. a fantastic idea if you're able to pull it off. Yeah, I think I actually used to use a CSA through Dow um, when I lived uh, closer to downtown. Uh, since I moved, I don't. And I hadn't for like a couple of years during the pandemic. So I think this is actually a call to action for myself too, to like look into it again because I can't be preaching doing the doing the thing if I'm not doing it. So. Yeah, stop stop doing that, man. Yeah, I look like a Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, well, you had to go there, didn't you? I was going to say, that's your yeah, moment. That's that my moment. You, you were waiting for that all day. I was day. waiting you for it. Well, on that note, speaking of horns and things going off, we finally got to the crown jewel of the episode. I know. This was a funny funny email to wake up to. was Elon's email to all of his employees that, yeah, we're no longer Twitter, we're now X, and that happened overnight hilarious that that happened but now yeah so twitter's gone x is here and we're not going to do i'm going to do our best probably heard a bunch of what's going on what's happening 
we're gonna do our best to go in a little bit deeper on it to give you a little more a little more substance on top of it but we'll read the initial tweet for now <laughs> uh this is from linda yaccarino which is their ceo it's an exception it's an exceptionally rare thing in life or in business that you get a second chance to make another big impression twitter made one massive impression and changed the way we communicate now x <laughs> will go further transforming the global town squared x is the future state of unlimited interactivity centered in audio video messaging payments banking creating a global marketplace for ideas goods services and opportunities powered by ai x will connect us all in ways we're just beginning to imagine for years fans and critics alike have pushed twitter to dream bigger to innovate faster and to fulfill our greatest potential x will do that and more We've already started to see we've already started to see X take shape over the last eight months through our rapid feature launches. Launches, there it is. Uh, but we're just getting started. Thanks, man. That was a great tweet. Gee. <laughs> oh, there's a the last one. I missed yeah. it. There's actually no limit to this transformation. X will be the platform that can deliver well everything. Elon Musk and I are looking forward to working with our teams and every single one of our partners to bring X to the world. You know what you use X for? It's the unknown variable when you don't know what you're actually doing. <laughs> That's what I look at. I'm like, oh, it's X. Like when you talk about X number of vegetables, it's like, oh, it's I, I don't know. And that whole thing was like, we're going to do media. We're going to do everything. It's like, what are you actually going to do? And right. so I know that Elon's very big because um, his whole background is with PayPal, right? So <laughs> what, oh, are yeah, you, over here. what are you playing me here? So, it's here, baby. X is here, baby. <laughs> we're probably demonetized for that one, but yeah. we, uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting to kind of see this move made. We knew it was coming. We knew that Twitter wasn't going to be forever. We knew Elon had big plans for this thing. But now it's it's happening. Twitter's dead. Like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. The blue bird will be poop. It's been cooked. Been, dang, he uses that joke again. <laughs> I'm you, a you, dad. You Give me a break. You weren't kidding. <laughs> yeah, bad jokes. Um, but it was just been interesting seeing Elon Musk's calculation of this since day one. Since the day where he kind of joked about purchasing uh, Twitter after all the Babylon B stuff and them getting you know uh, taken off Twitter and he's like I'm 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 gonna own this thing and then you're just like you're not gonna own Twitter and then he found a way to play chess and move the, the pieces in such a way to essentially checkmate everyone who was on the board at Twitter to the point where they he forced a sale to to him which was pretty wild to see from there he took could control the company and everyone on a specific political leaning said he doesn't know what he's doing he's a moron oh, i remember all the parody account issues that happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh it's out of control he fired 80 percent of the staff he does, this is not sustainable this that the other and then it continued twitter still held up then the eight dollar subscription fee came in and he got mocked relentlessly for it knock you have to pay people to be on the platform now what's going on you're a joke no one's going to stay for that. No one's paying for check marks. All the Democrats in the states were just like, this is ridiculous. People keep parodying us and they don't know who we are. This is this is chaos. 
Well, people still stayed on the platform. And then threads hit. Everyone started leaving. Everyone, quote unquote, started leaving. Rachel Gilmore, anybody? <laughs> she left for 24 hours. And then Elon's like, oh, yeah, by the way, for the past four months, you know how I've been collecting all, you know, $8 a month? Yeah, that's going into a, a revenue fund for all the creators. And now I'm paying all the creators. 3300 there, eight grand there, 12000 there. Gee. Another checkmate moment on Zuckerberg. Threads lost all its steam after that. Mm-hmm. Now, X gonna give it to you. Here we are. That's the journey we've seen in the past, what, 18 months? Mm-hmm. Been a wild time, I have to admit. Here we are. But the valuation of the company, though, was so overvalued. That like how many billions of dollars was it overvalued that he paid for it? Especially when he came out and realized that there were so many bots and so much um, garbage that was happening behind the scenes that Twitter was like massively erasing <laughs> at the time. That's where I'm just like, I don't know. And like the fact that there's nothing actually described, it's just like your imagination. I'm like, are you actually like, are you actually planning something? And there's, uh, there's like, Elon working behind the scenes here and there's a grand scheme at work or is this just we got to put something out there that's going to placate people because it's going to sound good and we're going to just put the pizzazz. You sound like everybody else after every event I just talked about. <laughs> you stinking guy. Yes, of course it's calculated. Right now he wants to make the WeChat of America. At this point, I am not on team Elon. I don't want that. He wants to go all Banking services through through X. He wants to do all uh, social media through X. Uh, he wants to do um, uh, pretty much any type of financial work through. Mm-hmm. Like he wants everything to happen through this product. And he talked about it in, a, in an interview. He he thinks if it's done right, this is his words. That if done right, that X will be responsible for half of the global money supply in terms of transactions they do. I guess my thought is like, I guess that's because you have places like the States who don't have transactions through their institutions that you have to go through a secondary party in order or third party, I should say in order to do that. And I think that's where my mind gets stuck. I'm like, well, why would you go with another, like I don't use PayPal. Cause like, why would I, when I can just e-transfer you money out of my, from my institution. But yeah, when you said that, make the WeChat of North America, I'm like, okay, I'm, I can get on that train. No, you can't. So, no, you can't. No. Don't care. <laughs> Not the train of wanting a WeChat. Oh, okay. Doofus. I'm saying I can see where your mind is going. Man. <laughs> Jay, you're killing me out here, dog. <laughs> Calm I love, yourself. I love when we don't connect. It's great. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's where I'm seeing where things are going. At least the stuff that I was reading today. That's the overall plan that he wants to see happen. And when it happens, WeChat in China is spooky as heck. You literally, their whole life is through that that platform. And if you say one thing about Chi Money, mm-hmm. everything you know is gone. Yep. And so... Yes, I'm not on Team team Elon on this one. Like, I don't want that. I don't want everything to be happening through one platform. It's interesting how billionaires want to own everything. This is the reality. When Elon came out, 
and said he wanted to buy Twitter because he wanted to restore free speech. That's the carrot, baby. That's what gets him in the door. But now I hope all people on the right are keeping a close eye on this fool and making sure that he stays true to his word about freedom of speech. But secondly, don't trust everything this guy does. Stick to your guns. Stick to decentralization. Protect yourself. So I got a question for you then. Which is worse? Is it worse to have the government owning a WeChat of North America or a private company owning WeChat of North America? So this is like one of those questions like, would you want to be covered in peanut butter and get thrown in a bag of sharks? <laughs> or, or, yeah, it uh, is. It's like or, pick pick the crappy, the least of the crappy options. Or, or, or fill my underwear with meat and be thrown into a, line of di- a den of lions. Uh, great question. What do I want? What do I want? Ideally, neither, but... Yeah, if if I had to choose between the two stupid choices that you've planted out here... The two very realistic options. Shut up. <laughs> it's true. Shut up. <laughs> uh, you know, you're right, though. Uh, try that in a small town. No. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I, I'd say the government. I'd take the government over a billionaire. Reason being is the government is so stupid... <laughs> That at least I know I can outsmart them. With something was run by Elon Musk, he's thinking through every loophole. And there's a lot less room to like try to gain your power back. I can see that. I I definitely can. And like ideally, ideally, you should be able to swap out a government at some point. Um, Swapping out the head of a company is a lot harder. Um, But yeah, as far as like the government being stupid though, I'm watching this clown that we have for a leader do some really conniving things to consolidate power. And you know, say, and I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying <laughs> every everybody else is gonna <laughs> probably yeah yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I I'm watching him do things that I'm just like these are a little more calculated than people realize. You know, stuffing different things into omnibus bills and then you know, passing them and consulting power and consulting the ability to question power and, and turning media against people and buying the media and all these different things that we've seen happen. Like, I don't know if they're as stupid as we, as we think. And I think that's where we're stupid to think that they're stupid. Mm. So this is where I think we're also stupid that we're hoping and praying someone comes in to save us. Yeah. That's the mantra of this whole show (laughs) is you got to rely on yourself, man. Stop hoping that someone gets voted in to save you because it's just going to be a different looking dude who's going to try and screw you over regardless of if you believe in their politics or not. The reality is power is power. You take care of yourself, you take care of your family, and you figure out how to do that and making sure you're making the right moves to work. We, we're, we're getting in. Oh, I'm giving a bit of a hint on what we're getting to on Thursday, okay? <laughs> things Big things are happening. You can either view the complete collapse of our economy as something that's terrifying and you don't know what to do or you can look at it as an opportunity to do something for your family. I was talking, me and Kelsey were talking about this the other day. I told her what I'm going to share with you guys on Thursday. I told her what's going on. And to give you an idea of how convincing it was, you guys know Kelsey. Left-leaning, lover, doesn't care about anything in the world. She believed me. She saw the, the analysis, she saw where everything was adding up to. And she's like, oh, wow, this is going to happen. Yeah. Doesn't that scare you? 
I looked at her. I said, babe, you married a psychotic individual. (laughs) I'm fired up right now. I'm excited because I see the opportunity on the table. The only thing that scares me is being surrounded by desperate people. That does terrify me. But in terms of it happening, I hate what it's going to do to people. I hate that, as you said earlier in the, in the show, I hate that we're going to see people out of out of work. We're going to be not wanting to do, desperate. That, that, that saddens me. But it's going to happen. And so what are you doing to put yourself in position to capitalize? We'll talk about that on Thursday, but things are getting wild. Yeah. Well, you know what happened after the Great Depression? There was rich people who made a lot of money and people who saw the opportunity who made a lot of money and put themselves light years ahead. And that's really the the reality of it is that it's going to be painful. It's going to be messy. It's going to be horrible to watch. But yeah, if you are in the right spot at this awful time, you can do very well for yourself. And that's the truth of it. And that's the bottom line. The stone cold said so. <laughs> had to, had to. But yeah, there's um. Wow, I don't know how we got there from the from, from WeChat from WeChat, <laughs> but oh yeah, billionaires and all that jazz. Yeah. So with what's going on there, like yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you're talking guy who owns a Tesla. I enjoy the Tesla products; are a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, though. I hate that. I know in the back of my mind, I hate it that they have all this data on everywhere I drive, everything I'm doing. It's a little terrifying, um, but that's uh doesn't yeah. matter. They're collecting it all from your phone anyway, right? So, I mean, if you have location services turned on at all, like they know everywhere we're going, where they where we've stopped, where we've lingered. Like, I, I remember hearing somebody talking about like, oh, I would never get a chip put in my hand because like, you know, they would just they know everything about me and blah blah blah. And it's like they don't have to put a chip under your skin. They just passed you a smartphone and it does the same thing. True. <laughs> Which sounds very conspiracy theorists of me, but uh, it's just, it's data and it's out there. It's how people choose to use it. Absolutely. It just reminded me of, I was watching the summer I turned pretty. <laughs> it's a boss show, bro. Season two. There's a, there's a scene where the main character and friends that one of her friends are trying to they're doing something i'm not trying not to give any any uh spoilers here but they run into a guy and he gets like super conspiratorial all of a sudden he's like he's like hey where's they ask him where's so and so he's like you mean other than the government tracking them with all their movements and then like obviously the characters like roll their eyes i was like yeah but but that's me Uh, I, I think they need to do a little bit of a better job because I can't find my Apple Watch anywhere. And I'm just like, I can see that the location is at my house, but they need to get a little more detail so I can find that for myself. Dude, what, what it would have been the Chicago airport. That was weird. The find my friends for the Chicago airport. They have that whole thing detailed. Mm-hmm. That was weird. I remember Kelsey was going to that airport. And I was tracking her like, you can see exactly what point in the food court she's at, what table she's at. Like, is it that type of detail? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, yeah, I don't like that. Don't like that. That was uh, what I was trying to use. I was trying to use Find My Friends to find my, because you can go in devices mode. Yep. Yeah, I can't find my watch, though. So. so now I'm like, oh, I can't work out. I can't go for a run because I can't track it. So therefore, I just did my happening. first. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's tough, bro. I'm um, sorry. I hope you find First world soon. problems out here, yeah? I hope you find it soon, dog. Um, oh, yeah. 
So what's uh, we're gonna switch a little bit over gears. We trying to finish off the show, Mr. Page. That was Dylan funny. Page, man. He's a, he's a he's a he's a bro. Yeah, I love this guy. He's great. Um, the thing I like about him the most is because he he just he he does what we've all wanted. Just tell us what the news is. Don't put your spin on it. Don't do what we do. <laughs> and uh, just tell us what's going on. I do love him for it. And so this is the perfect example of someone who's not in or understanding what's happening in the larger infrastructure of leadership organizations in our countries. And he went in, probably a little naive, hoping that you know, there's going to be a partnership happening. And then he was exposed. Well, he even said he's like, they were so kind, um, treated me with respect. Like, everybody seemed so polite. We'll get, it, yeah. Yeah, we'll get right into it. And he was exposed to what the real world is out there. <laughs> and it was, it was interesting. I'll see, see what he's got to say here. First interview for national television. And I am genuinely shocked about how they spun this story. See, this week, ITV News reached out to me and asked the question, why are people moving away from legacy news and towards creators on social media? And what's crazy is that they were so friendly. They complimented my work, were super positive. And the woman who interviewed me honestly couldn't be nicer. So to my genuine surprise, the piece that aired on the 10 o'clock news was so different to our conversation. That ironically, they answered their own question. And buckle up, because this it just gets wild. So as soon as we open, the first sentence is straight bullets. Now, the fact that you're watching tonight's news at 10 helps confirm TV news is the most important news source for British adults. <laughs> That was mildly aggressive. And then, before you even have a chance to listen to the report, she quickly links TikTok to China and almost sarcastically says, TikTok, owned by a Chinese company, of course, that insisted it isn't linked to that country's communist rulers. And now, with a framing complete, enjoy our fair and unbiased <laughs> report. So jumping into where I'm introed, and this is so subtle, but God, it's powerful. They say teenagers get their news from TikTok more than anywhere else. And yet Dylan Page is a one-man band reporting to the masses from his flat in Devon. I mean, they make it sound like in between reporting news, I'm cooking up meth in my crack den. I do not <laughs> live in a flat. I live in a very nice three-bedroom house. And instead of making it feel like it's a dangerous thing that I'm doing all of this by myself, how about we don't treat viewers like they're stupid? And if a quarter of a billion people choose to watch my videos every month, let's celebrate the fact that that many people have become interested in the news and that it's being done by a one-man band. They then use this chart to show the percentages of people who get their news from social media. Entirely missing everyone aged 25 to 54. And despite them cutting and not showing my answer to misinformation on social media, they play this man's answer, which is overwhelmingly negative. I think it is a worry that young people are being exposed to, to news and to unreliable news and to conspiracies through social media in general, not just TikTok. They then talk more about TikTok's connection with China and frame it like you're getting this news from the app itself and framing it like that just discredits all of the amazing creators we have on here including professionals like doctors dentists lawyers journalists and let's not forget ITV themselves so thanks ITV for welcoming me into your industry now what works over this side is that people vote with the follow button who they think are credible and you just lost mine yeah I saw that and I was like not surprised. Like, not even in the slightest. Like, that's how the game works. Oh, yeah. Like, people are going to chop up anything that you say to make it fit whatever narrative that they're looking for. And I love how he's like, I I even talked about misinformation in the media, and then they picked this old geezer. Him <laughs> talking about it. And you say, Oh, I just think that the students and the young people these days getting the information, it's scary. And you're like, Oh, my God, of course you do. Like, anyway. Yeah, it was. <laughs> 
uh, it was a story I saw coming from a long ways away, but it was the whole conversation I think is very interesting. I shouldn't say interesting anymore. I'm going to say I need a different word. Intriguing. <laughs> Interesting's my word. Yeah, you, you got to stop you, saying that. You bro. stole that one from yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess we got to stop saying it both together. We'll, we're, we'll, we'll form a group and uh, help each other, support each other through it. Oh, don't do that. Uh, there's nothing worse than two white guys having a podcast. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but the whole conversation around media at this point, right? Where we have it, well, media has kind of gotten to a point of decentralization with the internet. And people obviously have seen. Since 2020 has seen through the lies of the established legacy media that they've gone to guys like Dylan Page who you sent, he doesn't put a spin on things. He mm-hmm. just tells you what it is, what's going on. But then, yeah, you know, you go, you, you, well, obviously we rip on the CBC all the time, but <laughs> they, they do something like that. And you can tell like they just, he, I loved how he used his interview to show what's happening and why people don't go to establishment media mm-hmm. and they trust him instead. Like that was a prime example. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone who I would say 90% of the people who listen to this show are one of those people who d- don't want the traditional media and are looking for something a little bit different. And, and the 10% that do are just maybe only checking in to see what's going on in the outside world and in that world specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I just, I find it really telling as well, just the fact that he was like so naive. He like went in with such good intentions. I was like, that feels like me. Like that yeah, is, that does. is like such a me thing to do. Be like, these people are going to be like, okay. And then like come out and be like shocked. Be like, you did me dirty. <laughs> How did you do that? Um, and so like, I think that it honestly actually gives him more credibility too. It's just like, he went in there, you know, open heart. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to just tell you what I think and I'm going to be myself and I'm not going to like try and slant it any which way to serve either you or me. Um, and then to watch them do that themselves. And he can just point to it and say, see, this is, this is the problem. So Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> Exhibit A. That's what that was right there. <laughs> so that's be interesting. I know you sent this video to me earlier today. Um, but the oh, wa- which one? <laughs> the wage issues. Yeah. Every province west of Quebec, the average number of hours at minimum wage required to make rent is at least 80. Think about that for just a second. That means minimum wage isn't even enough to cover half of your average living expenses. And it's gotten worse over recent years. There isn't a single... He gets into it further. If you yeah. want to learn more about the minimum wage debate, it's very interesting. He's got some really good content, too. He Let's lost say. me today. Oh, yeah? This brother lost me. Because this, was, this I think, will be a good argument between the two of us. Okay, I think you'll take his side on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the issue I've been having... Is obviously he he got someone in the comments on this video specifically who said you can thank your buddy Trudeau for that, and he came back with a video saying, "No, that's like housing and uh, minimum wage stuff is all a provincial problem that has nothing to do with the federal government," mm-hmm. and that's and that was him dunking on this commenter. So, what are your thoughts on that? Com- I completely disagree with that. Like, yeah, they may be provincial priorities, but if we're a federation, we're a federal country, like there should be some consistency across the country. And that's what... There technically is. (laughs) Yeah, it's unaffordable everywhere. (laughs) 
And also just see the factors that cause like inflation that cause the challenges that are happening in like the housing market where um, there's actually another uh, thing that I was looking at. It's a university professor out of BC. Um, He was looking at uh, the economics of the housing market and just like, how do we construct more houses? And he was showing that the changes in the uh, building material costs and just the changes in the shipping costs and the mining costs and all these different things that, you know, you need iron for the nails, you need um, insulation for the walls, you need gypsum for the sheetrock, like all these things have just gone up exponentially. And then to transport them across provinces has gone ridiculous. And what feeds into that? Carbon taxes, um, environmental regulations, good and bad. Um, You know what I mean? Like just things that are all mandated from a federal level that are all changing the way um, housing costs work. So the fact that you'd be like, oh, well, housing is a provincial issue. It's like, no, no, no. (laughs) Like, it's not that simple. And any provincial politician would be the first to tell you exactly that. Um, But uh, yeah, so I think that's a pretty simplistic, incorrect answer to a pretty complex um, system. That's my, that's my take. That's your take on it? See if I was going to try and track it down that, that video. But yeah, like I've, the reason why I was annoyed by this is because I agree with you. I've been seeing this argument more and more on social media when it comes to people dunking on Trudeau and the, the reciprocal point of view on it. Not reciprocal, that's the terrible word to use. The opposing view on it is this argument they're making. Is that oh, it's funny that you uh they put on their put on their old glasses. You know, that's uh, funny that you bring it up as a Trudeau issue. It's definitely not a federal problem. You know, look at your conservative premiers who are not building housing and are uh have control of minimum wage. It's all their fault. I'm just like, bro. As you said, I can't if someone ever came at me with that argument. I couldn't have a conversation because we're starting from such a low, lowest of lows. We are beneath the dirt of lowest common denominators or issues. I can't even have that conversation. Like, bro, can we talk about some nuance out here? You're going to go and point to the color of a party as the problem. Both either side of the issue. I can't have the conversation with the person because it's ridiculous. It's a very nuanced issue. Yes. Let's talk about money printing. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how um, the, the the supply issues that have been happening. Let's talk about yes, the carbon tax. It's increased literally everything in the supply chain. Let's talk about how there is red tape around building of houses on a federal level in various cities. We we can go on of the different things that are happening that the government that's in power federally is causing the issues. Like they're least the very minimum, the start of the problems. And there's other compounding issues that make it worse. Yeah. Even just thinking about like financially, like the Bank of Canada, the way that uh, the CMHC works, like different rules around how mortgages are given, like how building mortgages, like, like the idea that if you want to build a home as a, like a non-contractor, you're like, I'm going to buy this piece of property and build myself a house. Like to even be able to afford that property, you need a 50% down payment on the property itself before even like calculating building costs into that. So it's like things like that, that are very much within the scope of the federal government (laughs) to legislate effectively through 
like their Bank of Canada and CMAC and the powers that be. Like, of course they have control over this. And I just wonder if it's like, if it's just ignorance, not in the sense of somebody being rude, but in the sense of just not knowing. And I think that that's what's happening. It's just, you know, we're told that, well, housing is a, a provincial priority. The wage, uh, minimum wage is a provincial priority. Therefore, it's a provincial problem. And I think that's going back to the federal government being smarter than I think we give them credit for. I think that's a narrative that they're pushing so that they don't look bad. It's like the Pontius Pilate, I wash my hands of this, you know. And uh, the provincial premier is going, if we raise the minimum wage to whatever amount that we want to, that's, you know, a living wage, we'll crush the local economy. The only people that will be able to afford this will be the large corporations. And that's not what we want. And so, because I've, lo- I've long time been like, you know, we need to make sure minimum wage is a living wage. And at one point in time, it was. And that's what I found interesting about this video was that it was like showing the disparity of like, you know, this was a living wage at one point in time. Now it's not anymore. Like, what is the point of the minimum wage anymore when our value or the value of our dollar is so like beyond, <laughs> um, beyond broken? So that's what I look at. And I'm like, and who controls the value of our dollar? You know, Daddy Trudeau, as I put out a poll there the other day about, uh, uh, about the, um, what was it, the carbon tax money coming back? Mm-hmm. And, and coming back as a environment or climate climate change transfer, whatever they named it anyway. And just looking at like who got it, who didn't and how much people got. Cause I got a different amount than another person. And apparently that's because they view, Je- cause you're white. They view Jen and I as a, as one person. So oh. yeah. So because her, that's and- racist. <laughs> <laughs> so because, how dare that? the government really like, hasn't learned their lesson. But yet. you know, what's like crappy though is because like, if you're unmarried, so if you're like two two people who are, you know, just together, it's like one person's gonna get, you know, 112 and the other person's gonna get 112 or whatever it was. Yeah. And then so you would think like, oh, we're married, we're gonna get like two hundred and twenty four. It's like, nope, sorry, here's two hundred and two. It's like, yeah. what? Why did you chip me the, the <laughs> that last little bit? Like anyway, but uh yeah, so that was annoying. And I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> Sorry, I, I <laughs> derailed you. On I know that one. you did a little bit, but I think the point that I was making is just the fact that these transfers, these things that are happening, are devaluing our currency, making it less valuable to be able to purchase products and and, and goods from other places to build houses. Um. So yeah, this inflation is killing the ability to to build houses. So that's a federal problem. Yeah. So fix it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm running into a bit of an issue right now. I'm doing some, uh, some, uh, value added rentals to the, the one of my properties. And, uh, one of them involves windows and there's a specific kind of window that really solves the problem looking at trying to resolve here. And the only place that sells it is out of Minnesota. And I looked at those, uh, those fees to try to get that sucker across mm-hmm. the border. I'm paying an additional $1,600 on top of the what I'm already paying. What are they filled with argon or something or bro, they are the most electrifying product I've ever seen in my life. No, uh they're just <laughs> like they're just screen doors. What? <laughs> just screen doors. And I'm getting hit with some hardcore tariffs on it. So uh it's yeah, it's interesting. And the question is like who is imposing those tariffs? That's right? A, yeah, yeah. It, it's federal. Is it 
But the question is, like, is that coming from our government or from their government? That'd be ours. Okay. Yeah, because I'm dealing specifically with the Canadian government on it. Yeah. So why in the middle of a housing crisis would you put tariffs on goods and services that are designed to build houses? Mm. Good question. (laughs) I'm sure we all know the answer to that one, but we're conspiracy theorists, so... (laughs) The more I hang around with you, the more I am a little bit of a conspiracy Dude, theorist. You're, ter- you're turning more right wing by the day. I'm kind of concerned for you. Before you know it, you're going to be wearing a white hood. Uh, no, a green shirt, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's a new one. <laughs> that's yeah, a new she, one. She was, holy smokes. Well, let's finish off with that in general. Belleville got, gave a nice little welcome to uh, Daddy Trudeau over there. Because Trudeau walking through Belleville? Yeah, try that in a small town. <laughs> Man, you use that joke twice. <laughs> Three <laughs> times to be exact. There you go. It's a callback. Get over it. <laughs> Secondly, yeah, obviously it was like, they said it was probably well over 100 people. Just just absolutely lambasting in this fool. Yep. <laughs> and it is what it is. They're yelling a lot of different things. Had a lot of flags. And I loved the media's coverage of it, where they always, every media outlet is like, yeah, they're also waving Trump flags. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they really want to call that one out. I personally, from the, um, maybe well, maybe there was, I didn't see it. Maybe there's some videos I'm missing it. I didn't actually look too deep into it. Maybe you haven't. I don't really care regardless. But the fact that we made a point to call that out every time shows you what the what the the narrative is trying to be. But what was concerning to me, again, everything they're yelling about. There's one guy who's like, my my kid can't afford an apartment because of you. Um, there was, you know. I can't get a job because of you, this, that, the other. And so, but all the comments on Twitter from lefties, all the same argument, dude. Well, that's a, that's a provincial issue though. These morons, these, all they care is about is their narrative and they're trying to prop it up. And it was very similar arguments all throughout the comments, which made me think that they were bots. (laughs) But even if they're real people, it's concerning to me. If that's their real argument, like, Again, this conversation is a lot deeper. Sure, the people that are being represented in these videos, you might think they're a low IQ. You don't. You think their anger makes them look stupid. Don't care. What they're saying, there's a grain of truth of what they're yelling about. There's a reason why they're angry. They, if they, if there wasn't a reason, they wouldn't be trying to yell at them. And the last thing that I saw in these comments that was concerning. I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this. <laughs> I saw this, I didn't see this comment once, not even twice. I think I may have seen it 10 plus times. I was going through the different posts on it. Who said, wow, we never, liberals never do this. It's always right wingers who always get so hostile with our political leaders. Like, how, this is ridiculous. Oh, no. And I'm like, where do you think they got it from, dog? <laughs> they realized it worked. It, it, violence and getting angry changed public policy. Where do you think they got it from? Because right, right-wingers right didn't do this before. Oh, come on. Come on what? I didn't see it publicly the way it has been. It's been a lot more public from the right in the past four years. It wasn't, it wasn't a... And don't, don't, don't give me any examples from the States. Give me examples from here, okay? <laughs> give me examples from here. Where conservatives were getting in the streets about issues. I did not see it up here. I only ever saw it from the left. Until we saw that it worked. And then a chapter was taken from the left's handbook. Because it works. It works. 
So say what you want to say about that. I'll say that's unfair. Oh, gee. And don't you pre pressing those buttons over there. I know you got the power to press them. <laughs> <laughs> press the wrong one, fool. And then in the show, right there. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Censoring you now. Yeah, Where are you, CBC? Come on. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say now. <laughs> what were you? Anyway, no. Right wing protests, yeah. unfair. I think we just... That's the, the whole way that protest has worked ever since the dawn of time. People get upset about an issue, whether it be right or left. You take to the streets. You have a revolution about it. Things get burned. <laughs> you have a revolution about it. Things yeah. get burned. People get beheaded. Like we see that throughout history, throughout everywhere. Yeah. So I don't think to say that it's a left playbook piece. It is. And 100% that, is, dude. And that, Huge. It's a great and, playbook. And that... Uh, that now the right is like caught on. I think it's a, the human playbook. I think people do it everywhere. Oh, yes, you can. Let them eat cake. Come on. <laughs> what happened to her? Oh, gee. But that's how that's how things move is. Unfortunately, it is violently. Um, if, you know, things were a little more peaceful, I think that would be better. But I don't think that's really how large-scale change happens quickly. I think large-scale change can still happen, not violently. Okay. And I think that it would take time. And I think that it's a slow burn. But I think if you want something to move rapidly, it's got to be loud. It's got to be violent. It's got to be in your face. It's got to be well-covered. And it's got to be, you know, out there and disrupting people. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I just <laughs> I just want you to... I want to help you out here a little bit. Okay. I want to give you a chance to not get screwed over in the future. <laughs> Are you advocating for violence? Is what I'm asking. No, okay. I, I'm, cool. I'm okay. not advocating for violence. I just want to cover, cover you. <laughs> I'm advocating for lawful, peaceful protest that is disruptive, um, and that you know pushes the narrative of the people that are are wanting to protest that. Like when you see situations like um, you know the trucker convoy, I'll say, like I may not have agreed with 100 percent of the things they did. And I do agree with some of the, the pieces that they put forward. Um, but I think that it was wrong how they retreated and how the Emergency Measures Act was used. And I think that went completely against our constitutional right to peaceful protests. So I think that like that's a glaring example of like this is something that should have worked and that was quickly quashed and that we had a very, very good media campaign to make it look otherwise. And like you said, it's, it's the same thing. Cause like, I remember watching it and being like at the very beginning being like, yeah, I totally support the truckers. And then halfway through it going, no, I don't support them at all. Cause you got like all the media showing it's like the don't tread on me flags and Trump 2020 and God knows what else. And like somebody Nazi with a flags. Nazi flag and like, that's a visceral image to, to put up there. And you're not going to want to be the person to be like, yeah, I agree with Nazis. Like that would be awful. Like you wouldn't want that at all. Yeah. Don't you dare clip me <laughs> saying that. I'm, not gonna <laughs> I'm just thinking back to that ITV news. Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like nobody would want that. So you know, and I'm not judging you, but I'm just <laughs> you already played that one. <laughs> Get away from those buttons. He called me a Democrat. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so yeah. I think that I support peaceful protests. And I think that if you want an issue, push forward quickly. It's the quickly part. It's the timeliness of yeah. it. It has to be big, has to be loud, has to be disruptive and ideally peaceful. 
but history has shown us a lot of times they aren't. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of what we're, why we are where we are now. So word on the street, we'll end the show here. Don't know if it's true. Unverified sources. But apparently there's murmurings amongst liberals, uh, sorry, uh, Trudeau's office that he might try to call an election in the fall. I think that would be very dumb of him to do. <laughs> I think it, I think it's very on brand for Trudeau. He's super arrogant, so I think he would try. Because I think right now we're we're hitting the the point of the. Okay, I'm just gonna preface. I'm gonna sound crazy. Okay, all right, to the homies, but I think we're hitting that kind of the the climax of the globalist kind of push here, and I think he needs full control of the government to be able to get things done quicker. Without the issues of Jagmeet doing his thing, I think he might be trying to press a button to try and get things to move quicker. And I think he's just going to try and get a majority. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't think that any analyst worth their salt would advise him that that is what would happen if he called an election. So I just I don't see it. So I think that like we need to have like some kind of like I don't know better duel or something <laughs> just be like your your team he's going to call an election in the fall i'm the team he's not going to call an election in the fall because i just i uh, i'm going to say this i don't think i don't think it's going to happen either oh okay. I, i'm leaning i'm just here i'm just telling you what i'm hearing and the, as i said they're unverified sources of oh okay okay that's okay that's that's a little better because i was like yeah. i just i think that would be that would be political suicide for him right now like things are not in a good space for him uh, he would have to do a lot more PR work, a lot more spinning with his... Needs more green shirts. Yeah, he needs a lot more uh, government-funded media to to back him up. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't see that being something that's coming this fall. So I'd say unverified sources, eh, maybe you're murmuring about it, but I don't think that that's probably going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Be interesting. I, I, uh, last but not least, I was went to Salt Nash last week, this time last week, and uh, it was a good time at the restaurant, great food. I was walking back to the car, going across the waterfront. Oh yeah, and uh, my list, other listeners haven't heard this yet, so you're gonna have to listen to this a third time. I was walking along, and all of a sudden, I see like one guy in like a vest. I was like, "Why is this dude wearing a stupid little vest? He looks like a moron." Whatever, man. He's just living his life. Whatever. And then I see another guy wearing the exact same thing. I was like, "Am I seeing Dubwell here?" Then I see a third, and then I see a fourth. All wearing earpieces. I was like, oh, I must be close to Trudeau. (laughs) And then I get to a building. And there's easily 20, 25 of these guys all posted up around it. Probably 15 yards apart from each other. You, I was like, I think this is Trudeau's security detail. I think I might be wrong, but I think this is it. But I left it. I almost said something snarky like Wef Stooges. or called them a bunch of Wef Stooges or something like that. I don't know. That would have been fun. But I'm, I'm a peaceful guy. So I kept walking. Then that Belleville story breaks. And what is it? All the people that are trying to keep the people off of Trudeau, all the same guys wearing the exact same thing. I was like, oh, what's the Trudeau security <laughs> detail? It was. And I was like, I guess he stayed an extra night for the nag. So uh, I was like, that was interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. So fun story. Well, I mean, you can't only get booed once. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get booed twice. And then yelled that by Trump flags. Here we go. <laughs> Jay, what awesome. a way to end! Oh, it was a dang good show, y'all, dude. It's always a pleasure, man. I'll give you a proper handshake for oh, a, a worthy yeah. battle. Yeah, once again, it was great. It's a pleasure. So, 
that was a dang good show, dog. So whatever <laughs> it is you're doing, whether you be waving your Trump flag or buying a CSA, oh, or changing your account over to X, <laughs> whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace. <laughs>